This is In the Ring with Sumo Heavy, a weekly e-commerce podcast with your hosts, John Suter, Bart Moraz, and Brittany Blackman. In the Ring features interviews with e-commerce leaders, as well as the latest news and strategies to give listeners actionable ideas and inspiration for their e-commerce businesses. The podcast is a production of Sumo Heavy, an e-commerce consulting firm with offices in Brooklyn, New York, and Philadelphia. Find us on the web at sumoheavy.com. On today's episode of In the Ring, our guest is Melanie Balke. Melanie is a marketing consultant who has worked with global brands such as Mercedes-Benz and Volkswagen. Her focus now lies in digital consulting for startups and e-commerce businesses. She has experience in industries such as skincare, home goods, food, beverage, electronics, and more. Melanie has also built the marketing team and strategy for two e-commerce startups leading to their acquisition. She's an avid speaker and writer on all things marketing, featured in several publications, podcasts, and conferences. She joined Bart Moraz on our live stream on April 30th, 2020, to talk about what techniques and strategies e-commerce merchants can use in their marketing during this sensitive COVID-19 era. Enjoy our interview with Melanie Balke. Welcome to uh, Sumo Heavy uh, in the Ring with Sumo Heavy, which is really funny. <laughs> uh, so this is our, our longer podcast than uh, just an e-commerce minute. Um, I know you kind of love our other other stream, so... Um, but let's talk about you. Um, who are you? What do you do? All that fun stuff. Sure. Um, my name is Melanie Balke. I'm actually born and raised in Germany, so I'm a spy of sorts. Um, <laughs> no, I only mention that because actually that's kind of where I started in really traditional industries, like traditional German industries. Think about automotive, healthcare, telecommunication, um, that kind of fun, but very traditional stuff. Then I fell into the startup, into a startup project, and I totally fell in love with it. I mean, it was like funded by Silicon Valley. So for a German person back then, a couple of years ago, that was like super exciting. So um, fell in love with the startup world. And then when I came here to the US, that's basically why I started focusing and what I started doing specifically in e-commerce. I then built like marketing departments for several e-commerce brands. Um, two of them have been acquired started working for an agency again and then now I'm just working for myself basically so I went back and forth <laughs> awesome so you, you you mentioned that you work for e-commerce agencies to do mostly marketing sort of services with them yeah full cool. awesome um, you know obviously we're in a in the weird uh, moment in in the in the world um what are you what are your like recommendations for e-commerce companies um you know with marketing at the moment well i actually think that you know i think retail is down something like eight percent so like more like triple that what it was in november 2008 so retail's taking the hit but what we've seen in marketing is actually not that bad so We've seen return on ad spend up. We've seen revenue up. Um, you know, if we take like a snapshot of all industries, so that's really interesting. Now, it also specifically depends on the industry, right? Some industries are doing a lot better, like food and beverage, baby products, anything staying at home related is obviously doing better. Right. Um, travel and travel bags, <laughs> not so much. <laughs> True. Uh, so I think my recommendation overall would be, you know, 
make sure that you capitalize on the trend. Like there is an online shopping spree going on. People are staying at home. And while, yes, there was a lot of economic uncertainty and people are shying away from certain types of purchases, you know, anything that could break the bank, they're definitely still consuming and actually consuming more in certain categories. So I think really, one, that's where a, an e-commerce owner's head should be at, right? Less so yep. around, oh my God, we have this huge pandemic going on. People are not going to buy. I think mm-hmm. if you, if you have that attitude right now, you're you're hurting your business more. Really, first of all, the first thing I really recommend is like think about how do I fit into what people are purchasing and the shopping spree and where they're at and what they're thinking about. Gotcha. And and let's go into detail of that. What's that? What's the thought? Obviously, you got to be a little more cautious of how you market of what your you know sort of language and terms look like um you know that message is hard <laughs> for some um but yeah uh give us a little more like a, a more of a sampling of what you think should be out there right now yeah i think what you mentioned is spot on right like message the moment um what i've seen across ads is really interesting anything that was stay at home related like stay at home shop online or work from home works really, really well. And it's interesting if you want to get some inspiration, there's a couple of brands out there who've been, um, you know, implementing that in a really good way, like Bonobos, which is a menswear brand. If you, if you look at their e-commerce website right now, literally their first navigation bar button is cozy at home. So they're an apparel brand, everything that you could wear to be cozy at home. So think about, like I said, like, what are your customers thinking about right now? And what are their needs? How have their needs shifted, right? They might not need clothes anymore to go to their office to go, you know, look super sharp, but they're still going to need clothes that they can wear, look good on Zoom and be comfortable at home. So really just thinking about that in detail, like, what's my customer thinking about? Right. Well, that's awesome. Um, have you worked with, um, we actually ha- worked with Bonobos a while back, so <laughs> know that brand really, really well. Um, do you, what kind of clients cur- currently you're working with that sort of are, you know, either pursuing more marketing or doing sort of, uh, you know, adjusting their, their marketing um, language? Yeah, I think, um... Pursuing more marketing really depends because I think it also depends on the setup of the client. Some people who have a really big retail arm, um, they, they can't really cope with the loss of revenue that they have on retail just by e-commerce, right? So they're thinking more about how do we maintain our spend on in the online world, right? Um, and oftentimes what comes to that is if they have you know people who owe them money of any kind, they also have to think about the downstream of that, right? How do I get my money when all these other people are in trouble? So there's definitely some uncertainty around there, but all of them, all of my clients have adapted their entire messaging, their entire marketing um, to the current situation. And I think it's impossible not to almost, you know, or yeah, we'll be ne- ne- negligent. <laughs> uh, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, I guess end of March uh, and pretty much all April, everywhere was just adjusting their messaging really quickly, right? Um, and and you could see some people just did, uh, had it automatically, 
run out and you still just bad messaging at some points. Um, not even from the e-commerce perspective, from, from just big brands on TV ads, the adjustment period was so quick. That's impressive to, to like read your commercials really quickly to pick up, you know, in uh, pick up or delivery um, was impressive. Yeah, I think it was, I think it was Hershey's. Uh, I can't remember which, which brand it was exactly, but one of the brands had a big campaign around hugging. You know, yeah. like each other, and they put that to the ad immediately. And you know, those in the past, it's interesting because I actually thought, wow, the the marketing landscape has actually reacted quite quickly and adapted quickly. Whereas in the past, we've seen in situations like this, people made so many PR blunders, right? And yep. um, there there was a lot of consciousness about what was going on in the overall marketing landscape, like you know. If you think about hugging, it's not something people would normally be like, oh, that's totally pandemic related. But people really thought down the line. And I think that was really impressive for me, too. I definitely expected a lot more cringy, totally out of line stuff. Yeah, um, but also a lot of the marketing that's out there or they all sound the same, like exactly the same, which is just interesting. That's so funny. <laughs> You, you said that the Harmon brothers, they're the guys who made like the squatty potty ads and stuff like yep, that. Yep. They just released a video that's literally, or I, I apologize, they didn't release it, but they were linking to it. That's how I found it. And it's just all the coronavirus pandemic ads, one after the other. And they're literally all the same. Like it could yeah. be one long movie. You wouldn't know. It's people staying at home, sentimental and people waving to each other from afar. So, yeah. And I think, you know, now that we're six weeks in or something, it's interesting because there's this, uh, there's a real, I think that people are tired of it. Like people are tired of, about talking about coronavirus and the pandemic. And we've seen it like the news sites hits have dropped significantly. The searches for it have dropped significantly. So I think now we're in an interesting space because the question is, okay, that's not super top of mind anymore. And even if it is, people don't really like people are over it. People are so incredibly over it. Um, so I've been wondering, you know, is this the time like here in California, we have about two weeks left with our stay at home order. Yep. Um, so I've, I've been pondering, you know, when is the time to think about messaging the reopening to think about messaging starting normal life again and then how do you do that as a specific brand so that's something i started thinking about like yesterday like what's a good way to go about that and when is the right time yeah uh that's gonna be interesting i think you guys also i think they're they're talking about closing beaches for a month too at some point which is really strange um yeah i mean it's you know how how is the reopening gonna happen right it's and every single state is so different um, so that's going to be, that's going to be interesting across the board, or do you even touch that? You know, do you even go towards the reopening? Um, yeah. so that's, that's always the, the problem, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, I think it's going to be an interesting topic, you know, um, because we also don't know as marketers how it's going to look like, right? We're, we're not really certain how the opening is going to look like like here in California, they have like a six phase plan or something um, or four phase, a lot of phases, definitely. So 
it's going to be <laughs> in terms of thinking about how do you, like you said, do you address any of that? Do you address a specific phase? How do you message what's going on in people's minds while, you know, not touching on touchy subjects or not, you know, messaging something that's not quite right? I think that's going to be one of the challenges marketers are going to face. You know, honestly, I think messaging the pandemic is almost easy because it's like, this is what everyone's thinking about. Literally, everyone's thinking about coronavirus pandemic. And this is where everyone is. Everyone is at home. Once you yep. open up things from the government, right, right, once we start this phasing plan, and I think that's something we're seeing now too, so many people are in different states of mind, right? Some people can't wait to get out of their house. Some people are already hanging out with their friends. Some people are out protesting. Other people are still saying, you know, no, it's too early. So the sentiment has changed so much now that it's going to be really interesting. Like, what do you market and how do you not piss someone off doing that? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, it's definitely, it, it's definitely going to be, but I think that goes for everything, right? Um it goes for everything that's out there and, and it's so unknown, you know, financial crises are different than just, it's a pandemic with a financial crisis all at the same time. So it's all unknown. Um, and it's kind of, we were just talking about it, but I'm going to show it up. Like what kind of talking points should we probably avoid from, for COVID messaging? Like what is, what is the actual talking points? I think never, ever, ever give any recommendations um, in terms of, you know, health. I mean, to a certain extent, I think things you can do like, yes, stay home and wash your hands, right? But I think beyond that is a really tricky, really tricky waters. Um, and, and, you know, even that at times was really tricky because the CDC guidelines were so were so blurry, right? First it was like, mm -hmm. don't wear a mask, then it was wear a mask. So when you're doing that kind of stuff with things that are so unknown, there's always some risk associated with it. Although I will say the uh, the stay home ads that people were running in the very beginning, when people, when some people weren't staying home, they, they were super effective. So that was really effective. But I think, you know, anything that could come that you're not really certain about, like, and those things are, you're not certain about because the CDC is not certain about them. Um, right. And then I think it also depends on your brand, right? And what are you really, what, what's your, what, what are you really talking about? Um, for a brand, I think more so the talking points around Corona relate to your customer and where they're at. If your customer's a parent, well, you're obviously talking about being at home with your child while you're working, they're not in school, that would be a talking point. I think everything else becomes more so irrelevant. Um, and I'd always, always, always be careful of fear messaging. Any type of sales that you, you want to make around fear, I, I don't know what brand this would apply to, but that used to be a thing in the past. And that's something I'm very careful with because that can backlash a lot. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. Um, we're taking more questions, actually, from my good old fun colleagues. <laughs> Is there a danger of being too optimistic in messaging, especially if we return in the fall? Yeah, I, I think so. I That's kind of what I meant. Like, what do you do now once it opens up, right? No one really knows what's going on. So are you going to start messaging like, oh, yeah, we're back with friends? 
I would say probably not the best idea, right? Maybe what you could message is like something like a six feet apart picnic. I genuinely don't know because we don't know how it's going to look like. So I think, yes, that's, that's definitely a danger. You don't want to be the brand that has been releasing like beach party messaging <laughs> when then like, you know, we're in phase three and you're actually, you're free to go out, but you're supposed to be cautious. I think we have to be really conscious of the fact that this was quite a traumatizing event for humanity, mm -hmm. you know? And a lot of people will carry that uncertainty and that fear with them beyond what the government um, says, I think. Yeah, that's that's the, that's the uh, in my opinion, the hope, right? You, you kind of want to, even though they're open, who's going to go anywhere, right? You want to kind of protect your own family anyway. Um, so that's that's been the thing. I mean, um, you know, we live in a big city. It's, it's always tricky. So... Um, yeah, let's go on a little fun, happier notes or some tactic stuff. Um, I know you mentioned like, uh, I know we, we had an email back and forth. Um, you know, you talk about marketing uh, in sort of newsletters, but, you know, email is still huge. It's still going to be big. Um, where do you see the uh, email marketing going um, against really text messaging, right? Because text messaging has got so big all of a sudden this year or in the past year or so. Right. I think... You know, people have been saying email's dead, email's dead, email's dead for probably feels like the past 10 years, right? Every year email dies and magically comes back like the phoenix out of the ashes. Right. Um, I think it's going to be email together with SMS, right? When I think chatbot is a really good example too because when chatbot came, people said, okay, this is going to replace email. But what I found is they always work best in unison. So SMS with email also in unison. Um, again, it depends on your brand. For, I would say for the classic e-commerce brand, it's going to be in unison. So you might receive things like, oh, your package is on its way via text, but other types of longer communications via email. Um, and we just have to be conscious of the fact that text has such a limited, you know, you have limited space. There's limited information you can convey. So I think that's really where the benefit of email is. Yeah, I've, we've been watching, um, do you ever see Community, which is uh, a pretty big, like it's it's nowhere to be found. Like uh, some of the bigger sort of marketing guys and real estate people are using it as a uh, a tool to text message back and forth. They're building a whole platform and back end of it, which is awesome. Um, I think that kind of marketing is better. So you creating a community inside of, a text message thing instead of being just open and, and out in the world of Twitter and Facebook and everything else that's out there. Um, you know, as much as people you look at Facebook, it's still a big ad platform, right? Um, so that's going to be big. Um, it's it's going to be an interesting interesting change in this year <laughs> overall. Um, I'm going to ask more questions because we can. <laughs> um, any thoughts on What's near retail landscape, like showrooming, small footprints, and how should that be marketed? Interesting question. Um, I think a lot of brands that, you know, were maybe both retail and e-commerce might now go e-commerce only. I think a lot of brands that were e-commerce first and then had retail stores, that's going to probably be less in the coming 
times. But I think the overall trend that we'll see is what these e-commerce brands would do, right? Like Everlane, for example, is a really good example. They were like e-commerce only, and then they opened up specific pop-up shops. So I think that's something we could see people who have e-commerce, you know, arms to move more towards, okay, how can we do pop-up shops and things like that? Um, I think that's in the short term. To be honest, if you're asking me if I think retail is going to disappear totally, I'm one of those people who doesn't quite believe it yet in that controversial topic. I just think there's an experiential factor to retail that people love. And the question is how are brands going to take that experiential factor and continue it online? I think you can in parts, right? I think email in parts is an experiential factor in like the current landscape and it's going to get bigger with, you know, virtual reality and things like that. Um, so maybe what we'll see is more something like a, an even bigger focus on bigger, bolder experiences in retail stores. So maybe you're coming in and you're going through like for skincare cosmetics brand, you're coming in and you're not just looking at products, but you're actually going to go through a whole routine. You're going to get a specific type of care um, so I, that's how I think retail is going to evolve, really. Which we kind of are seeing with, you know, Bonobo stores or Untuck It or any one of those pop-up shops that, that uh, you know, one of my favorite sort of stores was Bolton, which they basically rent out a space and then give spaces to smaller vendors to, to sell their stuff. And they have a platform online. There's plenty of them doing it. Even the big companies started to pick that up. Um, so retail is definitely going to change. Um, you know, what's the, you know, what's the future of malls itself? Like, how is that going to change? You know, and we've been talking this for years now, but this is kind of forcing the issue. Yeah. And it's interesting because malls, I think, you know, if you compare like U.S. to Europe, malls are a very U.S. specific thing. Like, of course, Europe has malls, but not to this extent. So um that's going to be really interesting because i feel like going to the mall is so culturally baked into the u.s culture right <laughs> yep hey what do you want to do oh i don't know let's go to the mall and hang out there okay let's go to the mall and hang out there so what's gonna you know what's gonna replace that um that's gonna be really interesting yeah who knows uh i mean i've, I've seen him talk about uh quick healthcare clinics to gyms to co-working spaces to everything in between um, so that's definitely, I mean, we started, um, uh, talk about the future of e-commerce or commerce of retail, but what, what's your thoughts on the future of e-commerce itself? I think e-com, um, my personal opinion has really benefited from this or not my personal opinion. I mean, we see it in the data too. And I think what we're going to see now is people who were hesitant before to use e-commerce are now being converted, right? I think you know, people who benefit specifically are some of the newer technologies like order your groceries home. I think mm -hmm. people that didn't want to do that before or were skeptical skeptical about those kind of things before, now their hand was kind of forced in this game. <laughs> right, yep. They wanted to go and they're like, oh my God, where can I, I heard of this one, where can I order groceries? Um, and those guys were booming. So I think you've now seen people adopt that technology and say, okay, yep. I'm, I'm, that's cool. I want to do that. Um, and I think that the same goes for e-commerce, right? I think we've opened up a whole new customer segment of people who maybe before weren't avid online shoppers 
and who now maybe got a little bit more used to it and are more open to it. Yeah, uh, we've been talking back and forth about this through obviously our other podcasts and just internally. It's like all of a sudden your your hand is forced to be like, oh, it's nice to have, or even tele, telemedicine, right? Just talk about that. It was like, oh, nice to have. It's the only way to do it right now, right? Yeah. Um, so you basically are forced to to move away from traditional to this. And it's, in reality, all those grocery shopping apps and stuff like that weren't ready for it, any of this at all. <laughs> and it's a struggle. It's watching your parents try to order on it and you're like, I'm used to doing it and I know the UX is really bad, but watching them do it is another level completely. Yeah, I think I've noticed that too. And, you know, I think the other thing that's going to be really interesting is working from home has also kind of had this, this, so the way I'm thinking about it is like, okay, are people now have adopted it and they're all in and they're going to use it more? Yes, I guarantee. But I also think a large portion is going to go back to, oh my God, it's so nice to be in the grocery store. Um, so I think we're going to have both, right? We're definitely going to see a dip, but there's definitely going to be a higher adoption rate than there was before people who are doing it. Interesting thing with work from home, I think is very similar, right? People now, you have the company side is like, oh, this actually works and people work more. And then you have the employee side where they're like, okay, work from home is cool, but I miss going to the office. <laughs> <laughs> right. Especially when you have kids in, in the house and stuff like that. Like that just, it changes everything. Now you're just, you know, working from home is fun, but um, it's definitely that. And then it's funny because my buddy John just asked, you know, which brands do you think will win in long term, um, especially with stay at home or work from home type lifestyle? So um, this this question relates to like which brands who work from home. Yeah. Yeah, I think honestly the future is going to be remote. I hands down think if you want to work with the best talent, and I'm seeing it now when, when I hire for my business, the remote aspect is so incredibly important to people. Um, one of the companies that I really like in terms of how they're doing it. And I think a, a lot, they're winning right now in the game. And I think a large reason they're winning is because of how their company policy works. So their Webflow, they're not per se an e-commerce company. They're, they're you know, a, a website builder, but they build a lot for under other things, e-commerce. <laughs> and um, I've seen their company culture being remote is what brings them the best talent. And the best talent brings you your best growth, right? So. I think that applies to e-commerce as well. Um, I'm seeing that with some of the brands I work, honestly, you know, they're completely remote and they're able to keep their overhead costs really low because they don't have a four story building where 30 people need to go to work. Um, they have something small where people can pop in every now and then. And they attract the best talent because they literally say, I don't care from where you work. If you want to go work from Costa Rica for a month, be my guest. I care that you do your work great and that it's exceptional and that you're on time for your deadlines. So I really think that's being working remote is what's going to be the winner. And I think with Zoom now, so and so many companies have adopted it. Um, there's almost an expectation, I think, after this pandemic from the employee side, the sentiment that I've been getting is like, we've literally worked from home for two months and it, nothing burned down. Everything worked. <laughs> You know, I, I'd honestly think as an employee, you'd be almost a little bit, you know, pissed off if you go back to the office and you want a one day a week from work from home. And they're like, no, <laughs> and and you're like, 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 how do you go, how do you say no? Right. Like, 
we just went through this and it was fine. How's how's this work? <laughs> yeah. Um, are open to that. Those are the people who are going to win. Yeah. No. Just awesome. Um, cool. Uh, John just throws questions at us because that's just how we work. <laughs> how would you capital brand? Uh, how should a brand capitalize on the fact that we learned that Amazon can't provide to everyone all the time? Which was funny because in the beginning. You could get stuff like in Philly, I could get stuff the same day. Yep. I think that was really scary for people, honestly. Like, I think that there was a big consumer shock when, you know, you couldn't get toilet paper, you couldn't get dis disinfectant. And I think like the majority of people who are currently alive have never experienced that, right? That's stuff people would talk about in World War II or, you know, like my mom's from Iran, maybe she experienced that as a kid or something, but you've never experienced that in this setting in this type of country. So I think it was a big shock, first of all. Yeah. And I think um, what it comes down to is reliability as a brand, right? So, and the other interesting thing with Amazon is actually that a lot of e-commerce brands, either those who both sell on Amazon and their e-commerce brand, as well as those who just use Amazon for fulfillment, they also had fulfillment issues because of Amazon. Mm -hmm. So this goes way beyond, right? Because at one point yep. Amazon said, hey, we're not accepting any new shipments anymore from you know manufacturers. Right. Um, so they were literally running out of stock on the website. Um, I think it has to do again with communication and reliability. So, you know, anything that would be like we're in stock, we have enough stock, or being clear about your communication and what you can provide, that's that's just overall really important. In this time of uncertainty, we found that being clear with our customers and letting them know about our manufacturing, that's worked a charm. I mean, I'm a big fan of um, this cosmetics brand called Coco Kind. I believe they're based in SF and they're super cute and they send this all hands stakeholder email. So they're sending it to their customers too, which first of all, I thought was a genius idea. And they update you during these current times on everything from their new product development to how their manufacturing is doing. For a while, they actually closed their fulfillment. It was like in mm. the very beginning because their warehouse is in SF and they didn't know what to do. Um, and I think that's, that's what you can do here, right? Be really upfront and clear with your customer on what's going on because the one thing Amazon doesn't do is tell you what's going on. You're literally going to their website and you see, okay, it's not available. I don't know when it's going to be available. There's no email communication, right? It's just this huge impersonal giant that's never going to take your personal issue or need. You know, I mean, what, you're going to reach out to Amazon support? Good luck with that. <laughs> nothing's going to happen. So I think really positioning yourself as someone that cares and that's there and, you know, doesn't mean that you – I think everyone dealt with supply chain issues at one point during this pandemic. So I don't think it's necessarily about just like, hey, we have it, buy it here. Um, I think it's also really just about communicating where you're at, what your fulfillment looks like, just to reduce uncertainty and and be, be in communication with your customer. That's really where I think the difference lies between someone like Amazon and a smaller brand. Awesome. Um, well, Molly, uh, where people can find you, you can plug in whatever you want. Um, how can they contact with you? Yeah. Where do you want me to put it? Uh, my website's Melanie Balky, like my name.com. So if you type in Melanie Balky, you can find me and 
we can connect there. Awesome, awesome. We'll post all the stuff uh, all over the place uh, as soon as it gets available. I mean, this was streamed, so hopefully it worked. We'll see how it goes. Uh, we'll put it all in the show notes. We'll put it as a podcast. We send it out there. Melanie, thank you for coming on. Uh, totally appreciate it. This was really, really fun. Yeah, thank you, Bart, and thank you, everyone, for watching. And thank you all for listening. If you like the podcast, please go to wherever you listen to your podcasts and subscribe and tell your friends. If you have some comments or suggestions on the show, reach out on our social media at Sumo Heavy. And lastly, if you want to find out more about Sumo Heavy, it's sumoheavy.com. We'll see you next week in the ring.